Hey guys. Welcome back. Chapter 7. Chapter 7, the uh, the spiraling descent of uh, Barney Mayerson. You're right about it being quick. <laughs> so, it's like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> you went from second man, top of the world, to um, thinking about committing suicide and uh, throwing his life away. All in about eight pages, ten pages. <laughs> he went through every every crisis. He went through every stage of that, you know, my life is <laughs> It was probably within like an hour. Real time, yeah. Yes, he thought about, yes. His, he just, he lost everything and went, yeah, considered considered suicide. He didn't just lose everything. He kind of threw everything away once he lost something. What a loser. He... <laughs> he was like, I couldn't have it my way, so I'm just going to do the worst thing for me possible. Why should I even go on? What's the point? It felt... Okay, so I did not like this chapter. Oh, really? Mm-mm. No, it seemed to me like the entire thing was 20 pages or however long it was of reminders of everything we'd already figured out from previous chapters, except that Yule, I have to give you credit. Oh boy, I can't wait. Hold Barney on. Mayerson is the policeman on his way to Mars. Yeah! He is kind of. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's going. He's not going to solve any murders or anything like that. We don't know that. Well, he's going as a spy. We don't know what's going to happen there. So, But I don't know. Like, I... Uh, I, you read the chapter, you know, you get all the way through it. Like, I don't feel like I really learned anything new except at the very, very end when he's on the ship going to Mars and he's sitting next to the dark-haired girl that I warned you all about early on. Remember that, by any chance? No. It's one of his things. There's always a dark-haired girl. Oh, okay. There's a, the, even more religion in this chapter also. <laughs> well, again, further explaining candy and how it is a religious experience. And then we have someone that's actually trying to bring a real religious experiment experience to Mars without the aid of candy. And it, yeah, it, I, I think it illustrates it pretty well. Well, we can talk about that when we get there. It mm-hmm. was kind of, uh, I don't know. I have, I have um, questions. I have more questions than anything about that section, but... You want to begin? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You want to start? Yeah, let's start. All right. Well, welcome back to Sci-Fi and Fantasy Read-Along. This is Chapter 7 of The Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldritch by Philip K. Dick. I feel a lot better. I'm just saying, I'm just telling <laughs> you right now. I, 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 That's I because Phil and Yule saved last episode. Woo! Yeah, you guys you guys had to carry some weight, and For I appreciate once. that. We carry our weight everywhere we go. It's just <laughs> morally above my belt is all. <laughs> well, either way, I appreciate it. Why don't we jump into Chapter 7, which begins in Barney Mayerson's office at PP Layouts. When in bursts Leo Bolero, haggard, recently escaped from the domain of Palmer Eldritch on Luna. Released. He was he didn't escape. He's kind of kind of frantic, right? You know, he didn't go get cleaned up. The first thing he did <laughs> is go right to PP layouts and say, Barney, you're fired. Why didn't you <laughs> save me? Tanaka, the first thing he said was, You didn't try to help me. I want to know how he knows that. Somebody snitched. Well, Dr. Smiles. Somebody, yeah. No, somebody do- snitched on Barney. Definitely. Dr. Smiles knew. Well, okay. How do you know that from this part, though? 
I did. I knew that from last chapter. That Dr. Smiles... Oh, yeah, because Dr. Smiles knew... I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was clear that the Dr. Smiles in the Palmer Eldritch universe contacted Barney and Ronnie outside in the real world. Because they knew that he was on Sigma 14B, which is weird, right? He shouldn't have been on Sigma 14B, and that's where Barney would have gone. It was complicated, but I would, there was this connection between Dr. Smiles and the real world and Bar- Palmer Eldritch's world at the same time. So sure. I, I, there was something in there. What I, I, I was led to believe that Palmer knew and was ready in case he came or something. Who knows? You're you want to go back and read it? Not at all. Um, you're talking about prepared to... Receive him if he got... Right. Barney, you know, him. the gumption. Yeah, if Barney. Barney got the gumption to come to Luna to rescue Leo or to Sigma 14B, then... But where was Hulk, Leo? I don't know. Which one was he actually at? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so Leo's pissed. He's fired Barney, and he's like, wants to have this conversation. He fires Barney... Barney's like, all right, fine, and I'm packing up, just like that. You're right. You're right. I failed you. He didn't want to get any other information before he fired him other than where were you. Why didn't you come looking for me, buddy? It wasn't even that. It was a pointed question. It was like, you didn't try and help me. And he's like, yeah, you're right. And he's like, you're fired. Do you guys remember that he, one, thought he was going to die if he went, and two... If he sent a rescue party, he thought they would kill Leo. Right. Yeah, that's right. He he went through both of those thought processes. And he's a precog, so I assume he went more than through the thought process. I assume he looked. Obviously through newspapers and stuff like that, or homeopapes. Uh, the thing I like is, like, Leo fires Barney, and then he wants to have a conversation with the guy. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Almost like he didn't fire him, right? As we find out in this chapter, he has no chance of getting his job back. Like, it's never going to happen. Leo's firing this guy. It is over. And the conversation he has, although it sounds like he's buttering up for, you know, maybe I was a little rash. He isn't going to say that. But the conversation that continues is a, is interesting and strange in a way because it is that it does feel that way to me. Yeah, but in the beginning, Barney doesn't even defend himself. He's just said, okay, I understand. I'll go. And, like, he, he's already seemingly defeatist. There's a couple lines in here where he gets the gumption to defend himself, but it's kind of half-hearted, it seems to me. He's not defending himself because what is being what he's being accused of is true. I think he's having a moment of self-realization. Barney said to Leo was, I was going to die if I went and did this thing. That's the kind of conversation where Leo is almost sounding like he's... You know, gonna give him the job He's back. He's defending himself, right? And but but then Leo's like, "You fool! You know, you didn't have to send yourself to go do this. You could have sent people. You know." Uh, do you see what I mean, though? About like this feels just like last chapter. Like we already knew all of this stuff. It's just now we're just seeing Leo's actual reaction to learning it. It's a little bit more of a character chapter, also. Barney. He's packing up his stuff, and he stops when. Leo tells him how horrible it was under uh, Palmer Eldritch's He's a magician. Control. He's a magician. He sounds very, very moved. <laughs> he made himself into a little girl. Oh, he was doing all sorts of things you could, we never could have thought about. You know, that's yeah. what Leo says. 
Well, the most telling one, I think, when he was talking about Palmer Ledritz is when he described him as showing him the future, mm-hmm. only maybe that was unintentional. And that's kind of how I thought, too, when I read last chapter, is that seeing the future and talking to these future evolved humans, that wasn't a planned component of Leo being there. And I thought that he got this glimpse of the future somehow either through Palmer Eldritch's psyche or he was actually seeing the future. I don't know. It's up to date, but something's going on there. Leo also says that he never actually saw Palmer Eldritch, but the extra bit of information is that, or supposition, I guess, (laughs) is that Palmer Eldritch might not be Palmer Eldritch. He's all space aliens could have come in and eaten him and taken his skin and Dressed it up, dressed up, and that could be the person that we're talking to. You know that type of thing. More convinced than ever that Palmer Eldridge is not human. <laughs> yeah, he says that, but you know, being the devil's advocate here, there's not a single piece of evidence that says that he's not human. I mean, there's circumstantial stuff, such as he crashed on Pluto. Who knows why? He was in a hospital on the UN and wasn't Leo wasn't granted access. He was on Luna when. Leo was captured, but guess what? Leo had this, I'm going to kill you device in his tongue. And that was all the more reason to not show your actual face there. You may have a bomb a bomb in your belt or something. Who knows? What do you think about Leo's assessment that the Gluck was not created or invented by a human mind? I could create something not invented by a human mind. No, you couldn't. You're a human. I know, but but the point is, I he's highly evolved. But does he have imagination, or is he just intelligent? Well, remember, he doesn't like he doesn't like the layout, so I think he is probably very imaginative. Hmm. You. I'm just might. saying that's the only piece of evidence I have seen, and it's his inference. Again, it's his opinion that it could not have come from a mind of a human. We know how how common opinions are. Yeah. Well, the depravity and and amazingness of the human mind has isn't bound by his limits of imagination. Well, he's also spent, um, I don't know, a century of um, relative time plus six years or four years of actual time on an alien world. Is there anything else in this scene before Barney leaves? Because Barney packs his um, his sample case full of his personal effects. He shakes hands with Leo and he departs for the elevator. Well, Leo begs him. He's like, don't make me do this. Keep me on here. And that's like his last-ditch effort to, to hold on. To, yes, Barney makes this last-ditch last effort and begging Leo Bolero to, to keep him on. And Leo said, Isn't no. Isn't he threatening to go to work for Palmer Eldridge? Because what choice do you give me? Well, yeah. See, that's the conversation. Um, he's like, well, I guess I have to. What, what else is a prefash going to do? So I guess I'll go work for uh, Choosey. Mm-hmm. And then Barney's all, well, you're setting me up to be, you know, to be my enemy. And he's all, isn't that what's going on right now anyway? Leo again, but okay. Oh, shoot. The names, once again. What I'm saying is I don't know if Barney is actually begging for his job back. He's just like saying, if you got a problem with this stuff that's going on, then the easiest thing to do is not fire me. But that's not the way this is going. And... Yeah, he basically gets his stuff and gets out. All right, so out in the hallway, waiting for the elevator, Ronnie comes up breathlessly. What's going on? I heard you got fired. I guess Dr. Smiles must have told her too, right? Ronnie, I am 
Uh, what does he say? I'm, yeah, I'm quitting. That's it. Or I'm fired. That's it. What else can I do? How can we go on living together if, if you work for Palmer and I work for Leo? Why would that be such a thing? I mean, just because Leo's such a dick that it would be a hard strain for them to, like, stay together or something? Uh, or because they're, like, I don't know, man. adversaries and companies? Well, come on. This guy is, like, I, I, I can identify with him at this point is... He Wait, has... you called him a loser earlier. I know. <laughs> you can identify with him. That might have been before the recording. Hey, though. I've hit bottom before. Well, and then the other other thing that uh, people do, maybe it's a guy thing more than anything, but when you're upset and you're questioning your life, the one of the first things you maybe think about doing is going and talking to your your ex-lover. Oh, you're jumping. I wish I'm not jumping that far. That's the very next scene. No, I know. I just had a joke I wanted to pull, but it's all right. Oh, so sorry. (laughs) If you've uh, read or seen um, that. uh, That's a really good story now. (laughs) (laughs) What's the name of that thing I'm thinking of with John Cusack and Gross Point Blank? It was the British book. Gross Point Blank? The British. No, it was the British book. Nick Hornby wrote it, right? Yeah, that's high fidelity. The yeah, it's like that book, High Fidelity. Um, maybe you saw the movie with John Cusack, but he's like one of those guys that always goes back and like talks to his ex girlfriend to see what kind of a jerk he actually is when something is going wrong in today's time. And yeah, he's tra- he goes through all his black book, you know, his his previous numbers, and he just wants to get information about who who he is. So. Um, I find it pretty telling that Barney would go to his ex-wife also. It is similar. You're right. But the conversation with Ronnie, it like starts at the elevator and he's like hitting the close button close the door on her face. Yeah, because uh, he doesn't want to deal with that, I suppose. But she ends up chasing him down downstairs when he's waiting for a cab. Like she goes outside into the unsafe heat to kind of like follow up she's like what happened about us you know we were gonna betray leo together and blah 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 and he's like it's not gonna work out (sighs) but this is where he identifies himself as essentially rotten he doesn't say essentially rotten he says that he is not accidentally a rotten human being which equates in my mind to that's a, a character trait of his it's a permanent character trait it defines who he is he's a he's a pos and he knows it now and maybe this is where i should say that that whole bit. Yes, that's true. That's so true. if he's uh, if, if since his realization is that he is not a very a, a very high moral standard, he knew he would have betrayed her next. She would have been right. Next. So he's already so he's very much questioning the kind of person he is, and the, uh, he searches out his ex lover, his ex wife. Actually, he doesn't even know he did it when he gets into the cab. Right, it's an automatic. He just response. gave the number. He says. This address, which we don't get to read until he shows up and realizes, oh, oh, this is Emily's apartment, Conapt 492. Right. When your whole life turns upside down, even though you think you're calm and rational, your head is just whirling in in a typhoon. And so he went there unconsciously, but it's clear he's, I don't know what you call it, in shock on some level. Certainly not he's focused. He's just not in There's an absence of normality. I feel, I mean, whether he meant to do it or not, you know, I mean, it seems like he didn't mean to do it. You know, he realizes that he's at her, Emily's apartment now, but, uh, you know, he's going and trying to seek out some sort of, I don't know. He thinks she can help him. It's either validation of what he thinks about himself 
or maybe some way to prove that he isn't the way he thinks he is also. Okay, well, let's talk about all the things that happen when he's there. Richard's not home. Who knows what he's actually off doing because he doesn't have a job, best I could tell. All he does is pimp out his wife. Her pottery. Yeah, (laughs) pimps pottery. Yeah. Um, But he's not home, so Barney and Emily get to have a conversation. There's quite a bit revealed in the conversation about her well-being, her mental health, what he's actually after, what his future looks like, etc. Very good. (laughs) I didn't say and... I mean, we knew that, that there was always a possibility that there was kids, but in this chapter, we know that they definitely had a kid together. No, right? she got pregnant, and then he kicked her out. Oh, I see. I got you. She, so it might not be... They have never had the kid, yeah. They never said what happened. They did say... It said it was... Bar- well, who knows? I think it was Barney's. She got pregnant when they were living in Renown 33 together. Yes. And he kicked her out, and he regrets it to this day. Yeah, so is she still pregnant? Did she have an abortion? Did yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she's still pregnant. How long How long ago did this happen? There's no context for that. She's been remarried, so, I mean, it had to be at least a, a couple of days, right? Who knows? I don't know that it matters, to be honest. The, the kids don't seem to play any part, whether they exist or not. It's just backstory for him, and, you know, he basically sacrificed her from his life in order to save an apartment. That's kind of a... Kind of a dick move. Yeah, for sure. It's not not cool at all. And he sacrificed what? He sacrificed everything for his career. He sacrificed her for his apartment, and he knew he would do the same thing to Ronnie when it came time to save his own hide again. So he's having that like moral conundrum about you know who he is. He knows he's a POS, but that's not why he's here. I think he goes into this thinking to himself. He's like, I'll go talk to Emily. She already she always knows what to do, and I'll do whatever she tells me to do. And it's like he's lost the capacity to make his own decisions, and he's just throwing it up to fate and the decision of a woman he kicked out of his house. I'm like, this this plan is bad. He knew it going in. Like, as soon as he walked in, he knew that the decision had already been made and that it was kind of a, a waste of his time to ask her her opinion. He said, I came to ask you something, but I already know the answer. So I think this whole... This whole scene was him saying goodbye to his life. You know what I mean? Tying up loose ends. He claims that he loves her and that he knows that it was a mistake, that he left her, and he has regrets about this. It's kind of like AA, right? Where you go and you apologize to all the people. I don't know. I've never been to AA because I don't have a drinking problem. But It's a step. While he's there thinking about Emily and the world and his, his unknown future, he notices that she's throwing a pot that he's seen before. This is something that's happened in a previous chapter with Richard Nat noticing that, hey, all these drawings look like old material. And Emily's complaining that her head is muddy and she can't think straight. She lets in on the fact that she's been going through E-therapy. well at least one, yeah. one time with uh, Richard. He tries to convince her to stop. And she's like, nope, not going to happen, buddy. Yeah, she's getting willful and disobedient. Uh-oh. All right, so this dude kicked you to the curb. Whether she realizes or not, he's super weak right now. Now he's coming in and he's automatically taking the role over that he probably was before. Then he follows it up with, hey, you want to go with me to Mars? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just like, this guy let is... me boss you around and treat you like dirt and then tell you I love you and then ask you to go away with me. The men in uh, her life seem to do that a little bit. I mean, 
are kind of jerky to her. <laughs> well, she says no to both. She's going to do what she wants. She's happy married to Richard, which seems crazy to me based on what we know about Richard. And then um, when Barney is about to leave, he says, you should stop. Daddy therapy. Take a look in the mirror because I guess it's starting to show physically. I thought I thought it was like she maybe looks a little slack jaw or something like that. Yeah, because he didn't. He, they didn't say like she didn't have hair and whatnot. But. No, he said he said that maybe it was just that she had aged since he last really saw her, and maybe that was all it was. But I think he was trying to hurt her on the way out because she rejected him twice right then and there. Yeah, there's some concern, but I don't think he was trying to hurt her. It probably did, but I think he was just trying to level with her, and he was just being blunt. And he's like, look. Well, he feels sorry for what he said or how he said it. I don't know. It's probably a little bit of both. Column A, column B in that situation. Sure. Like he's helpful and he's hateful all at the same time. So when he tells Emily that he's going to Mars, she's all, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I can't even picture this. And, you know, what it would be like to live there. And his response is that, well, I can chew candy. <laughs> I think that's him hitting bottom. Yeah, this whole next scene is him just throwing one long pity party. He does leave her apartment. He goes out onto the street to get another cab, and he's thinking about walking out into the street and just letting the sun burn him to death. Right, that'd be a way to go. And yeah, It wouldn't be so bad. I don't know if it would be fun. That seems like it might well, hurt. It might be quick, though. I, I feel like you would be slow and painful and miserable, and people would probably find you before you died and drag you to safety, and then you'd be in the hospital for years. If you're going to go out no, in the sun. No, don't come for me. No. This is, no, 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 it has nothing to do with that. If you're going out in the sun, you got to get in the shade about 100 yards back or Run whatever, like hell. And run. As far as you into can. Into the sun. And then, and then by the time you realize, oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nobody coming to pick you up. Was, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw pictures of people that used to have sauna competitions, and those people just didn't give up. And the like, oh, their skin must be horrible afterwards. Uh, horrible. There was one where the guys just wouldn't give up, and they literally scalded themselves to near death, and their skin is just like peeling off. Ew. It's a, quite a competition. He doesn't have the uh, the chutzpah to do it anyway so it's kind of a moot point right he's thinking about it he's obviously at a low point in his life and then he decides to call palmer eldritch at home again and say hey man can i have a job he gets his personal manager i think on the phone and they're like no we're not hiring prefash consultants right now he's like okay fine i didn't want a job anyway what did you guys think about that i think that 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 manager got fired that's what I think about that. And, you know, it's like the John Ivy, the guy from, from yeah. Apple, right, who designed the iPhone and all that stuff. He's just suddenly one day calls up Samsung, and he says, mm -hmm. hey, my skills are available. And some stupid personal assistant is like, we're not hiring right now. Yeah, it's like the CFO or the CEO of the company uh -uh. you're trying to take down wants to join you to give you inside intel. No. <laughs> <laughs> and so then that person got fired. Like on the spot got fired. Like moments later. Like bang, bang, like calling fired, him again. Right? <laughs> bang, bang. This doomed manager says, I'm sorry, we're not hiring any plea for ash consultants. Mr. Eldridge has expressed himself on this matter. But I think but the, what occurred to me was that Parmore... Eldritch does not need prefash consultants. It, it was like this is not an avenue to get out of your situation is ultimately what it was. But I hadn't thought about that person getting fired, but... 
as quick as the turnaround was, it does make sense. That was the first thing that occurred to me when <laughs> when he gets into the cab and he's like flying away, and then Eichholz is in a cab in front of him oh, trying yeah. to slow him down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was really strange also. They're trying I mean. to contact you, sir. I've heard of this thing. It's called radio? I don't know. Do you want to talk to him? Yeah, let me talk to him. As futuristic as this uh, this whole world is, that cab it's, flagging down it's almost cartoonish. very old. Oh, yeah, yeah it's totally yeah. cartoonish. Well, you guys got ahead of yourselves because once once Palmer Eldritch said, not Palmer Eldritch, this the personal assistant said no. This doomed minion <laughs> said <Yeah>. no. <laughs> he immediately called the UN volunteer yes. service and said, I'm going to volunteer. Right. So come on down. And that's when he gets in the cab. And that's when Eichholz tries to stop him. He's like, it's not set in stone. You don't have to go. And that, but, you know, if you're drafted, you can't then volunteer. Or at least that's the way it was in, you know, in the Vietnam era. This is obviously not a wartime thing. That's, that, that may be true, but it's... It's obviously it, true. Well, it's just like everybody would do that. Once you get drafted and there's no way out, well, then you would just volunteer. And then you get to choose what you want. Does that make any sense? Not really. It doesn't make any sense to me either. It's fine. Uh, when Eichholz is blocking his path, he's like, why are you so upset? Like, what's going on? He's like, my wife, I love her. I can't, li- I can't live without her. And he's like, we'll give you as much choosy as you want. You can live with her forever. And, and then he's like, no, forget about it. <laughs> don't, don't call me. I'll call you. He did the same thing to Eichholz that Eichholz did to Richard Nat. I do remember that. Is that just a power play? Absolutely it is, because he doesn't really want a job. He doesn't want to work. He's just defeatist. He probably doesn't need a job, let's be honest. He's been getting paid pretty well for a long time. He's in his mid-30s. He could probably retire. Remember that he doesn't feel like he can be relied on by any other person. That he is ultimately going to sell you down the river. Yes, he's self-centered and he knows it. His heart isn't in it because he feels like such a piece. He you spilled know? his guts to Eichholz. Isn't that it's weird? very strange. It's like unburdening yourself from from life. Like I said, he's tying up loose ends. He's completely already putting it in his mind that he's doomed, and he's closing up his life, and he's going to move on and probably die someplace else. It does feel like kind of like a 12 steps kind of thing. You're asking for forgiveness, and you're settling your affairs. It also very much sounds like a different type of... I mean, other than suicide, it sounds like it's you know it's suicide that he's about to go ahead and do a also. A long, slow suicide. But he's also telling the truth. He's being honest with himself, and he's telling it like it is to everybody around him. Whether they are the people to hear that need to hear this information or no, not. It's very, again, it's probably very <laughs> selfish. It's, it's yeah. He needs to be the one telling it and being honest right now can you guys look at the bottom of 120 and i'd like to discuss with you guys what you think about what it means to say that it was the wrong alternative in barney mayerson's mind he had two choices two alternatives one was to join choosy and the other was to join the service and he's he's being in service to be a colonist somewhere right and he said, he said, and whichever we choose, we can know this. It was the wrong alternative. And I think he's just being fatalist, as in he's in a lose-lose situation. There is no right answer. Is there not a third choice, though? Suicide. Doesn't it seem like those are not, those are not his only options right now? There's parts of this, like, world we don't know. I've never seen a grocer. You know, it's all corporate. I mean, I don't know what this guy wants to do. I mean, you're right. He could have a ton of money. It really wouldn't matter. Almost certainly. 
I would, ho- I would hope so. I mean, he being like number a number two in a company. He was I mean, number two at PP Layouts. He was rich beyond belief. Even being rich wasn't going to keep him out from the colonies, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it should have. It should have. You know, that's I mean, if works, we're being right? honest, you know, it should have. That should have been enough. <laughs> yeah, well, he was drafted, so that's that's what I mean. Is didn't seem didn't seem to me like he had a lot of choices. He was going to be drafted, and even all the way back in chapter one, he even though he was fighting it, I mean, I thought I thought they said that there was no way to beat the draft. I mean, you're going. You can kid yourself. That was Leo. So he he doesn't have choices. He says that the alter, any alternative that he makes is going to be the wrong one, yet. He is quickly making his mind up on what he wants to do this entire chapter. He let fate push him in the direction. He's going with the flow, as as it were, almost. Kind of, hold on, who was doing that? Billy Pilgrim. Billy Pilgrim was going with the flow. Wasn't there a Steven Erickson character that was doing the same thing, though? Hey, hey, hi, really? It, oh, no, 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 it was Le Guin. It was Le Guin. Oh, it was Le Guin, all right. Yeah, it was Sparrowhawk. Nice. Yeah, whatever. It's it's got to do with Taoism. All these stories that we're reading, all these novels. Yeah, there's elements of everything in each other ones. I, I feel. Oh yeah, or and, and the fighting. more you read, the more connections you'll see. Yeah, for sure. I for mean, sure. there's only so many stories you can write, right? <laughs> uh, Mayerson, uh, he takes his physical and passes. He takes his mental and passes, and then he takes the oath. Terra is great and good and the mother and all that kind of stuff. And then he's sent home to his apartment to pack. He's going to be on a plane within 24, uh, excuse me. He's going to be on a ship within 24 hours headed to, he doesn't know. Have you ever uh, done something like that where like one day you were living here and then 24 hours later you're embarking on your new life? Yes, I have. You didn't know 72 hours ago that you were going to be doing it, but it was literally 24 hours. Yes. Really? When I was living in Colorado and I was working in wind, we were traveling technicians. I was there for four years. I had an apartment. And then one day they called me and they said, pack, you're going to Maine. And I said, oh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a long way away. It's disconcerting. This guy doesn't know what he's going to see on the other end. You don't even have candy to look forward to in Maine. Yes, he does. No, you, I mean. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, almost the exact same thing happened to me. I got laid off for my forestry job in Arkansas, and like within 24 hours, I was gone. And I left my girlfriend, I left my house, left my apartment. I just packed up everything and left. Wow. Where did you go? <laughs> I went back to my parents' house. Oh, well. <laughs> Way to then go, That's Barney. the thing. There ain't no parents on the other side of this guy's trip. Well, I know, but you know, I, you know, I thought about it. I had a plan. I that's why he plan. wanted Emily to come along. You know, she's... She's the rock in my life that I left behind. Come on with me to Mars, baby. Yeah, he's basically <laughs> grasping at emotional straws. So Barney is at home packing, and he gets a phone call from some UN functionary to let him know, congratulations, Mr. Mayor Bayerson. Yeah, they get the name wrong, too. I was like, this is weird. <laughs> it's weird. That hap- it happens too often. It does. And did you notice the word smile? Yes. Yes. Okay, so the first person to ever do this to Barney was Dr. Smile. He called him Bayerson. Mm-hmm. And then it has happened subsequently a number of times to Barney. And now it's a smiling UN functionary. And it, the word smiling is italicized. Like, he's shocked that she's smiling. But, like, that's not how I read it. 
I read it very much like the author is trying to put into my mind a connection between Dr. Smile, the mispronounced name, mispronounced. How do you mispronounce mispronounced? That's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. Well, don't forget, Leo, when he was choosy trapped by Palmer Eldritch, he was, was it a Dr. Smile also, or was it a character in that land that called him or said his name wrong bolero bolero there was yeah exactly it was dr smile again it was yeah. dr smile again it was dr yeah, smile cool good memory i i don't i don't know if this is supposed to be some sort of like comedy relief it's not funny and it makes me suspicious it makes me very suspicious that he's already living in the matrix it kind of felt that way a little bit also yes yeah, so, yeah something like that yes exactly i mean obviously everything we see these d- days is derivative of something that came before it but this novel feels like a lot of everything that's being made these days is a derivative of like uh, at least philip k dick and the concept of you know ai and he's very very influential and i i resent the fact that even in my mind i say it's like the matrix because this came so far before the matrix it's not fair to this right (laughs) f the matrix but it's the matrix that everybody (laughs) knows right sure thing if you say the matrix everybody understands you're living in a virtual reality it's indistinguishable from the real thing you don't have to explain it you just say the matrix and people understand hey if we ever achieve it it's going to be warp drive why call it something else right yeah well yeah they already call it the alcubierre warp drive right exactly it has a name it's got a name we just need the thing to fit the name is all (laughs) yeah the the math has to be worked out you need almost as much energy as the universe has to to run it so it's a shame to like reference the matrix especially since it came so far after all this other stuff that we're you know that's come before it but it's the topic on the brain of people that you know know this stuff and i think uh, unfortunately you just have to keep going with it no you're right you're absolutely right (laughs) all right so this un functionary what did the un functionary tell him he's he's going to he's going to chapter three he's going to the he's going to mars and what was it the white crescent the feinberg crescent feinberg crescent and it is like the only place on mars where you can actually walk up on the surface and have a garden yeah it's like the best place in the solar system outside of and we Earth, already and been it there sucks. it sucks we have been there <laughs> not nice it's not nice well it's not nice but i mean <laughs> they call them hovels what else are you yeah. gonna call it underneath the ground i don't know it I, they would come up with some name that made people not feel like they were rats your chateau Something else. Something besides Hovel, Warren, Bunker, you know? I don't like any of those. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to. You're going to live in the ground. The moist spot. All right. So he finds out where he's going. He knows how much time he has left. And then he has a little conversation with Dr. Smile. He says, Dr. Smile, I'm, I volunteered. I'm going to Mars. And Dr. Smile's like, what? No, it's impossible. You would never do that. Yeah, he's like, oh, but you're tight. That's, that's virtually impossible. I'm like, what is this guy planning? And then it kind of shuts down all crazy, right? It's like, no, <laughs> it, was, it was like through a gear when he told him that because it did not compute, did not compute. And then Leo shuts, or I'm sorry, Barney shuts the, the briefcase to turn him off, essentially. And that's when Leo bangs at the door. No, well, he's no. He's the uh, doctor. Smile said, "What's what was the reason, Mister Mayerson?" And he said, "A death wish." Mm. That sounds true. That yeah. sounds true. He's being really honest to everybody again. 
<laughs> oh, maybe that's the first time he's been honest to Dr. Smile, and that's why it was so screwy. Maybe. <laughs> All right, so Leo's at the door. He's like, Dr. Smile told me everything. He's been in my pocket. I've been paying him all along, which means that the AI participate in the economy. Yeah, that's I, I had that big question mark. I was like, how can you pay AI? Obviously, you can. Obviously, they have bank accounts and et cetera. I did it. I did it again. They have bank accounts. They brought, well, I mean, you can bribe or pay off or whatever an AI. I guess so. I mean, and, they and, have uh, needs too. They need, they need resources. They have to pay for power. Who knows what they need? But like, if an AI wants to participate in the economy, as in like buy things, build things, like what if what if Doctor Smile wants to build a spaceship? He needs to save up a lot of money, right? That's what I would do if I was AI. I would like have a ship built. I would put myself in the ship, and then I would get the out. Your point is taken, but I mean, what does he actually need? To I don't know. Sounds what he like needs. he needs a briefcase on the other side of some other place, and then it, he can travel there too. I didn't bother to actually speculate on this topic. I just noticed that he was part of the economy. What That's do you need, all. What does he need? Resources to like network and spread to every household and building on the planet, so that he's literally everywhere. Uh, who knows what an AI needs or wants? Maybe he literally just wants to make paper clips. Oh, yeah, the paperclip. I mean, we don't know. We have no idea what he could want. But obviously, uh, Leo was paying this, this AI off to get information. He's like, he was in my pocket. That doesn't seem very ethical, if you ask what, me. What, paying off the psychiatrist? Yeah, to tell you about your employee? That doesn't sound very ethical at all. Uh, it doesn't seem ethical. You're right. <laughs> so wait a minute. Dr. Smiles was already on the pay of Bolero. Why was in that universe? Maybe that's why... Dr. Smiles contacted um, Barney. It just seems weirdly connected. That's what it seems. I thought it was Barney that contacted Dr. Smiles to let him know that, like, your services won't be needed anymore. Uh, no, uh, like my apologies. I was talking last chapter when, oh, okay. Leo, when Leo Bolero was trapped in Palmer Eldridge's world. He talked to Dr. Smiles and got him to contact Barney. That's the part that is a little weird. I didn't know if I could fully believe last chapter when that kind of stuff was going on. Number one, because he travels to New York and it wasn't really them, obviously. But then when he's talking to Dr. Smiles and Dr. Smiles is relaying this information to the other Dr. Smiles to tell Barney, I was like, is this real also? But then apparently it is. Hence the firing and all this other stuff. I think Philip nailed it last chapter when he said that the point was essentially to make reality and unreality indistinguishable. Right. I think that was the point. And it worked. Like, it worked well. I couldn't tell. I was confused the entire time. Didn't know what was real, what wasn't real. Too much contrary evidence, right? Too much. But let's talk about this chapter. Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> so Leo busts in. What is he doing there? He is not there to tell Barney that he's got his job back. That's for sure. No. He's also delivering a lot of truth, but he's offering him a different job. A job with Felix Blau. Felix Blau is what? The, is he the UN guy? Or no, he's no, the no, guy no. that gives... He's the private security force. That's right. The private security force that works for Leo. The idea is that he's going to go to Mars. Barney is. Barney is going to go undercover and act like a Mars colonist 
<laughs> it's not very undercover, but yeah. And he's going to, you know, live a life and try and make sure that Choosy is not the drug of choice. In fact, Barney is going to say that uh, Choosy is actually ex- uh, extremely dangerous to my body chemistry or something like that. And they're going to get it banned from the colonies. Don't worry about the wording. We'll write the letter for you. Right. But this is how Leo is planning to delay Palmer Eldridge in taking over his company. Well, but no, Leo Leo levels with with uh, Barney and says, "It's already happened. I'm I'm gone. I'm dead. It's like this is my last Hail Mary pass to salvage anything because I'm. Um, it's a runaway train, and I'm on it." Was he really that defeatist? Oh. This is we're not talking about Barney, we're talking about Leo Bolero. I don't think he was defeatist. I think this is just him coming up with another strategy by which to maintain I'm gonna say solvency. I mean, but... I was talking about Leo. Who are you talking about? Yeah, I'm talking about Leo. Leo's not a defeatist though. He's I, gonna I never... fight Palmer Eldridge tooth and nail. I I agree, that's what he's doing. But who said I'm dead? When you said I'm dead, you're referring to Barney, not Leo. No, I was referring to Leo because Leo already has leveled with him and he said like my entire business is sunk. This is what I have to do to keep it afloat. I'm outmaneuvered on every corner. I like the part where he's explain where Leo is explaining the plan. He's like, you're going to go to Mars. You're going to take the drug that choosy and you're going to um, explain how horrible it is for you. Leo says, we'll keep it off Terra completely talking about choosy. Actually it's ideal. You quitting your job with PP and going to Mars. <laughs> Leo said that to Barney. And it's like, Barney didn't quit his job. Leo fired him. I think that's the story he's going to That's going to be though. the ruse, yeah. But whether or not like the plan was fire him, we're going to send him to Mars, You know, he's going to be our spy on the inside, I don't know. Maybe Leo was very super upset that he was betrayed the way he was. And not only that, he sussed out the fact that Ronnie and Barney were trying to possibly take control of the company, especially if Leo were to die. He knew Barney wanted to replace him, and he he understood. I mean, he calls him out in it in this section. Right. He didn't say that about Ronnie. You're right. No, you were trying to replace me, but you're not fit for command. Essentially, you're too petty. I mean, Leo's the kind of guy that it doesn't seem like he really wants to give up, right? And Barney has given up. He gave up his wife and his life so that he could stay in this job and get a better apartment. And now he can't have it, and so he's completely abandoned all He's hope. crying all the way through to Mars. All right, so there was, there was a little thing at the very, very end where Leo said that, trust me, buddy, I've got it worse than you. Palmer wants me dead, right? And then right. Barney realizes that if he helps Leo defeat Palmer, Palmer's going to wish him dead as well. <laughs> yeah. And he did not he did not envy himself. Right. And that's essentially the end of that section, unless you guys have anything else. I've had this thought in my head for a long time that Dr. Smiles was actually controlled by Palmer Eldritch okay. on some fashion. And you know how Palmer Eldritch kind of like either he sees the future or he predicts the future or he sees all the possible futures, some variation of that. And when Barney quit and said, I'm accepting the draft and he tells Dr. Smiles and Dr. Smiles flips out and he said, I never could. It's virtually impossible that you would do that. And he's like, well, I did. And so I think about those little linchpin moments that completely change the future. And that's kind of how I felt 
during this this whole past scene is that the the game board just got reset because you said it's a fifty fifty chance, right? Essentially, yeah, forty eight percent likely or something like that. I had the impression that Barney quitting and joining the service was not anticipated by anyone else, and right. so, and so it reset the reset the board, and now we don't know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. We're going to get on a ship to Mars. Yes, like right now. So Barney's like recreated his entire life, <laughs> or it's been recreated for him. He refers to it as he has died and been reborn Born again. Yeah, a lot of religion talk is going on in this final section when he's on the ship, sitting next to the dark-haired girl, Anne Hawthorne. She is a true believer. She's on her way. She volunteered. Also, she's going to the same place as him. She's very beautiful. And she wants to convert as many candy users to Christianity as is humanly possible. She thinks they're kind of like ripe for the taking because they're already really close to Christians because of how they view the sacrament and chewing candy, etc. I love the part where Barney is thinking about how a person from Earth, Terra, I guess, is so into christianity the new christian church the neo-christian church that's understandable if you're out in the colonies and you don't have uh life is hard life is hard you don't have a dr smiles (laughs) whatever it may be uh that we do out here uh that she would be so into it yeah it's not a breeding ground for that kind of behavior but the colonies is a breeding ground for that kind of behavior And so he's marveling at the fact that she came from Terra and she's heading out there. I don't know if it doesn't make sense. It maybe it doesn't. It it, maybe he's just unaware. Right. I mean, he he could be. I mean, he's very into himself. Did you notice that she mispronounced his name? Oh, yeah. She didn't. Did she? Mr. Payerson with a P. Yes, she did. And this is as I, I will reiterate. This is the dark haired girl. The attractive too skinny she was a little too skinny for him but later on he's like she's pretty hot later on he's like i want to chew candy with her and i know that that's wrong because i know what i really want from her but i still want to chew candy with her there's nice play between ann and barney here because she is proselytizing and he's letting her know straight up that he isn't down yeah she's trying to convert him straight away But he says i tell you what let me see how life is on where we're going to be and uh, come mm-hmm. hit me up sometime. And she's like, oh, I'm going to do that. <laughs> I think he's just trying to manipulate her into coming around again so that they can have some time together. That might be true, but at the same time, when your uh, only option is to he's kill yourself, died. go to Mars. Yes. Exactly. He says it in this section. He thinks of himself as having recently died. He has been reborn, and he's now a new person. So, And you know what? Maybe this uh, this this thing isn't all all that bad, necessarily. <laughs> we'll see. Oh, I can't wait to see him and Sam Reagan interacting. I can't oh. wait. This is going to be a train wreck. <laughs> so she's reading a book on the plane. They have their conversation. He says, no, the part that you just mentioned, you know, talk to me in a couple of months or whatever. And then they, they go about having a silent sit together. And she's reading a book called Pilgrim Without Pro- Progress. 
which is oh, and that's a banned book too, or a something. UN banned book, which is obviously a play on a, a Pilgrim's Progress or the Pilgrim's Progress by Bunyan, right? Do you guys know anything about that book? Nope. It's an allegorical story of Christianity. The main character's name is Christian, and he's traveling, and he's trying to get this burden off of his back and get to heaven, essentially. And he just goes, it's like a picaresque. He goes through all these adventures, slowly attaining, like, you know, heaven or whatnot. So I assume that this banned book is essentially a satire doing the opposite, saying that the UN motion or whatever outwards is a failure. And that is actually the chapter, then. Yeah, I think so. There seems to be a little bit of a slowdown in this book right now. Last chapter, you said that it was your favorite chapter. I did. In this chapter, I'm kind of like, it's kind of a boring chapter. I dug this chapter. It It was easy to go through. The only thing that happened in this entire chapter was Barney kind of like uh, spent 25 pages or whatever. You turning and going to Mars. But his mission is laid out for him now. Leo wants him to go be a leader of men. He's like, go to the colony, become a leader, become prosperous there. And I'm like, huh, Barney? <laughs> no, no, I'm not like Is he building him up? Is he trying to like give him purpose so that he not only has purpose, but will do his bidding also? I think Leo is projecting his own dominant personality on somebody who's feeling hopeless and it's not working it may work but we didn't work in this chapter well if he has a death wish and he wants to work against palmer eldritch to obtain obtain it that sounds right in line also yeah is he the kind of guy that cares about choosy being uh usurped especially when leo's the guy that fired him i don't think he he knows what it does yet like, I don't think Barney understands, well, but Eicholtz told him he could spend eternity with Emily, but I don't think that's sunk in. I don't believe that he understands what Leo understands about Choosy. I don't think that's happened yet. I think it's going to happen. Now, of course, Choosy is just an alien plot to take over as witless humans, That's right? hearsay. Okay. And speculation. From Palmer Eldritch himself or something. We don't know. It's like Palmer Eldritch's daughter told us that. Palmer Eldritch told us that. It's like, wait, aren't you the bad guy? What's going on? I don't don't get it. This is so confusing. What I was thinking is like uh, somebody's in control of you and you have fits or moments when you can break out and let people know what's really going on. That's what the Palmer Eldritch kind of feels like. And then he's like under control again. Boom. You know, you're back into control. And every once in a while, there's a statue built that shows you what could be. And then Palmer Eldritch comes and pees on it. As a dog. Strange book. I have to say it's a very strange book. I'm a little confused. Whatever. I can get through a boring chapter. It doesn't bother me to do that occasionally. I just hope that it's not, you know, boring next chapter. There's not much book left. I know. We're halfway or so. Just past the halfway point today. Awesome. Well, I don't I don't want to openly speculate because it could go in any direction as the book has already shown us. You know, like I've been surprised on several turns. I have noticed that I'm not in love with his writing style, but I have also noticed that I'm completely willing to overlook these things because the ideas in the book are so interesting and occasionally surprising and sometimes horrifying. But none of that really matters. Like, I'm still very willing to go on this ride. Um, I feel like the uh, writing with the uh, the repetition 
especially if it plays off in the end, we'll find out. That's a, a very good style of storytelling. And if that has to happen to make your point, I mean, again, we're, we're, we're dealing with some concepts that, especially here, when this was written, mm-hmm. were probably pretty foreign for a lot of people. And even now, it's still pretty foreign for a lot of people. They still are. But this type of writing does not reward people who do careful reading. It rewards people right. who do casual reading, mm. you know. So you can just blast through the book, and he repeats himself three or four times, and so you're like, "Oh, I get it now." Whereas we might have gotten it the first time around if we were reading carefully. I did want to revisit something that you'd said over about Palmer Eldritch put the odds at fifty fifty. Whereas at the end of last chapter, it seems like it, it was like ninety ten. It was like he had all the cards, and Leo was absolutely outmaneuvered. But in this chapter, it kind of resets it to that fifty fifty format. Because you see the potential for Leo to stand up and and, and do something. He just kind of got, you know, uh, uh, sideswiped or blindsided, as it were. While he was trying to lay a trap for Palmer Eldritch, (laughs) he walked into a trap by Palmer Eldritch. He was psychologically affected, for sure. I mean, he came back shooken. He recovered quickly, though. He's already been in contact with Felix. He's got a plan. He's going to go ahead with it. He may not have anything to lose. I, I think that's exactly where he is. He has nothing to lose. Yeah. And or like everything I said, it, to lose? He was already convinced that the entire solar system is at stake. And I think oh, yeah. he's not just thinking of himself. And I think he's the, the anti-hero or becoming the anti-hero. If I were Palmer, I would not have let him go. I would have kept Leo mm-hmm. in Sigma 14B forever. I would have replaced mm-hmm. him with somebody like Eicholtz and game over. Right? He wins. So there's got to be something more to it than that. He can't just replace people. Exactly. Well, remember, he wanted his entire infrastructure network, and so it would be easier if he was given if it. Leo Bolero just gave mm. it to him. Right. And that's where I go, I go back to this unpredictable moment of him quitting and joining the service. Mm. But I think that was one of those linchpin moments that Polymer didn't foresee, or that was a one in a billion. He's like, oh my God, the one in a billion just happened. Oh, crud. We'll have to wait and find out. Do you guys have any... Um, mm, You got any final thoughts? Nope. Nope. We are going to get on to reading chapter eight. We'll be back with that in just a few days' time. Take care, everybody. Good night. Good night, all.